That looks like a nice one. It's actually, it's uh, these work quite well because no, you I, can I, stick I, this out here and plug it right in. Yeah, and I, and I like the micro, the, the stereo microphone setup with the two uh, uh, slots on each side. Yes. It's it's a nice unit. One for both of us. Yeah, I've got, I've got an HR. It's very Which easy is. to navigate. It is? Mm -hmm. Okay. Good. Well, well uh, you have to hold your drink in your hand while we talk. Sure, okay. Well, because it's, 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 it's a rule. De rigueur. Okay, so who are you? Um, that's how I'm starting. Cheers. Um, that, that's a hard question because... Uh, today, I, who are you? Oh, today. Uh, today, I'm a gardener. Okay, and what, do you go, what name do you go by? Oh, you mean you want you want like, like biographical the regular name, information? Yeah. Oh, let's start again then. Okay, <laughs> no, I like start. that beginning. That's okay. good. Okay, you like that. I'll cut all the bad stuff out. Oh my goodness! I'll keep I'll the bad it, stuff in. That's the I'll best make it part. Funny. I'll try to make okay. it okay. Uh, okay. Hi, Nigel. I'm Richard Minsky. Okay. Who is that? Oh, who is that? Yeah. Oh, uh, Richard Minsky is an uh, economist who, in his idle time, makes books which isn't very economical is it lucrative you are an economist who went bad no economists are generally not very good so you went bad uh, towards i went no here's what happened <laughs> um wait a minute is, do you think people are going to be interested in this yes it's an interesting story it is yes. i don't think so how long does it take I will three hours you, i'll tell you the story he was um, in, at Brown University, and he was there on a full scholarship to study economics. And he smelled the bindery with uh, Dan Knowlton, and he went down there, and he became hooked on bookbinding. That's good. It's that worse things to get hooked on. Is that true? Is that the right story? It's a story. Okay. Actually, I, I, I've been John, listening to the two of you, and nobody's saying anything. So why no. don't I just take it away? I'll ask the question. Who, are you, who are you? Who are you? I am Barbara Slate, and I am a uh, graphic novelist. I used to be a comic book artist writer, and then they changed the name on me, and I was happy because graphic novels sound a whole lot smarter than comic books. Okay, do they look any different? Well, except for the staple. And the perfectly bound book, they're pretty much the same. Only it does sound a whole lot smarter, right? It really does. Oh, and the other thing is they get packaging. to go. They get to go into libraries. And the thing that's really remarkable is when I started. Is it okay if I talk? When I started in the um, uh, the seventies, seventies doing comics, it wasn't a. Uh, um, I think I lost my train of thought. Not a problem. That is not a problem. That's where I come in. Okay. Are we going to do Richard first, or are yeah, we going to do, do you first? What's the difference? Maybe, maybe, no, it's, maybe, maybe it's the same thing. Each maybe it's a tag sentences. team. That's right. I know what you I got the say. thought back? Comic books were considered kind of lowbrow. It started in the 50s by this. Yep. Uh, there was, they were considered lowbrow. And just recently, I was teaching in Troy, New York, and the librarian actually gave a talk said, I have to tell you this before Barbara teaches, that you will be a better student and your writing and, and your drawing and your art 
and, and your ability to read will be better if you read comic books. I almost fell over. I said, I cannot believe that the librarian now has to say that as an uh, introduction instead of, uh, you know, you can play with this, kids, but, you know, nobody's going to take you seriously if you become a cartoonist. So it was startling, actually. It is, it is interesting, isn't it, when you think about it, that uh, it, it was almost like a guilty pleasure or... It's, it, but at least it got kids reading. That's right. And, and the, the creators were mostly the boys who sat in the back of the room picking their nose and, you know, with pimples and uh, drawing. And those were the ones that were so antisocial. Mm-hmm. That, those were the comic book people. And, and actually, those were the guys who run Marvel and DC Comics. <laughs> and those are the guys who are responsible for this generation who's all doing that, the, uh, the movies. These are the guys that were creating all these characters. So good luck. So do you think it was some kind of marketing genius that said, okay, let's just change this whole thing and call it a graphic novel? No, you know what it was? It was education. They realized that these kids, especially the ones with um, um, Asperger's, and all these, these, you know, these kids who mm-hmm. um, were antisocial, they were very involved in comics, very involved in writing and drawing. Mm-hmm. And the, the psychologists and mothers all started seeing that, that their kids had this talent. When I teach, I get a lot of Asperger kids. I get a lot of kids who have learning disabilities, stutterers, all these kids. They are very involved in doing comics. So it was a kind of a, a, a way for them to, yeah. to, to express themselves that, exactly. that wasn't sort of the norm. Exactly. It yeah. wasn't the, you know, these are the, the bright kids. And, the, mm. you know, these are the antisocial ones who started getting all this attention because of their ability to write and draw. It's interesting how suddenly this graphic novel phenomenon has come up and you hear a lot of defenders of that genre saying that the plot lines of these books, these novels, are just as intricate and compelling. And That's why all the movies are being done from graphic novels. The plot lines mm-hmm. are... And you have to learn how to do a plot line when you're doing graphic novels mm-hmm. or comic books. It's very important. It's like the, the actual graphic image itself is replacing part of your imagination. With a novel, you're it, entirely you're yes, using but you your... you have to look at that gorgeous art. It is well, that's, phenomenal art, and I love looking at the art. It's not a distraction, then. It's an, no, it's it, a no, it actually... The enhancement. Art, the art moves the story forward, actually. And okay. if you're doing a good graphic novel or a good comic book, you should be able to look at the art, the entire story art-wise, and pretty much know the story without reading one single word, just by following the pictures. So it really is a different experience than you. It's like a movie. The reason that they're, that they're mentioning it educationally is that because the images carry the plot line, it becomes a tool for learning reading for either the non-speaker of that language uh, or the general non-reader because they get to be involved in the story through the images and can figure out the meaning of the words and it's one of the ways that enhances learning reading. And if you watch a baby, even as young as one year old, 
I just, it's phenomenal. The kids mm. are just like blue to the comics because the colors are so vibrant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're in danger oh, right thank there. thank you. Yeah. There you go. I better drink it. That's better. Um, well, English is a second language. Or, or English as a first language. That's, that's the other thing. People learn that's the how point. to read through comic books. That's absolutely true. This one of the things that people have been approaching Barbara for recently is to develop subject matter graphic novels uh, that present history or science or math in that format because they're finding that the kids are able to learn it better. A certain percentage of the kids. It's, well, yeah. So uh, more uh, visual what, kids. Well, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, because you, kids have, you, are, have you read the uh, the stuff by what's his name at Harvard who who did the, the you know the five intelligences and then the eight intelligences that you know goes into the different ways that people have intelligence. Just because someone's intelligence isn't yeah. one way or another yeah. doesn't mean they don't have it. I learned that when I was a presenter at the Guild of Bookworkers 100th anniversary conference, for example. The, one of the other presenters was a no-show, and the president of the Guild asked if I would fill in his 20-minute slot. So I brought my fiddle, and I played music for, like, a while to keep people entertained, because I wasn't going to cover his material, but that gave me an audience that was then on... They were I had engaged. their attention. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, art is uh, an aid to language. Language is an art. It's not that art is an aid to language. Language is an art. Visuals are an art. Music is an art. Performance is an art. Physical activities an art. And these are all the different aspects of interpersonal relationships. Is an art. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are and all and an intelligence, arts. as you and, said. and an intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. So these are all elements of communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So now I have to figure out what we're going to do here. Do you want to just interview him, and I can leave for a little while? I think that yeah, okay. let's do that. Does that mean you have things to do? No, that means that that we will interrupt each other unless yeah, and I one and I want to okay. I, I okay, we'll a, do one then the other. I need a, a sort of a train of uh, thought here. I I agree. Night train. <laughs> That's a book by uh, Martin Amos. It's also a wine similar to Ripple and Bally High. Oh, okay. That's good if you're like a teenager. Um, oh, cheap drunk. Life. Yeah. Is it fizzy? Uh, I remember Baby Doc. Well, that was must have been in Canada. No, we had uh, Night Train, Richard's Wild, Wild Irish Rose. We had, you know, I'm not going to go down the list of cheap wines. Okay, so... I'll give you a bottle of wine to take home. No, no, no. Uh, yes. Why, is it, a, is it a local? Is it New York? Why don't we just drink it now? Oh, look at you. You make wine as well? Holy smoke! you're a renaissance man. That's incredible. You like that? Is it smooth? Because I only like smooth wine. That's all I like. Yeah, you know, yeah it needs to breathe a little bit, okay. but it's, it's it's got depth. Okay. Okay. So, you, did you introduce yourself? No. Okay, because we got into the well, you can economist. Me. Why don't you Why don't you start all over? Well, yeah, you but can I introduce me. no, no, no. 
you introduced, you said who you were. Richard Minsky is a famed, celebrated book artist who also happens to be a talented, traditional bookbinder. That's part of book art. Well, it it's is for some people, artist, and it, is, it isn't for others. Well, that, that's an interesting that you bring that up, because that, to some degree, is some of the difference between book art and artists' books. You, you find that a book artist will have some knowledge of the history of book art and of the book arts. There's a linguistic issue that some people have that is the difference between book art, which is art, in which the book is the medium, and the book arts, in the sense of that there are, as in industrial arts, or there are the arts in the sense of the crafts that are required for the production of the work of art. So or, the center or, or, for or book produ- arts. The production of a traditional no, of, of, book. That's where the line is, no? The traditional book and the craft that are required to produce that. And then there are artist books, which may or may not have anything to do with the traditional book. There's a sort of a well, very talk- tangential... Traditional, you've just eliminated what I was talking about in in that sentence, which is you eliminated book art. And you said traditional book arts and artist books. I'm talking about book art, in which the book is a work of art. The book is is a, a work of art. Now, artists' books are very interesting in that they are works of visual literature. So they are books by artists that expound visual precepts in a book medium. So they will have often sequential, though not necessarily sequential, images that present an artistic statement. And they could be produced by Offset or Xerox or any of a number of media bound by any kind of process, spiral bound, perfect bound, sewn binding doesn't matter. But the primary purpose of that is to present a series of images. The images can be images of words. It doesn't necessarily have to be an image that's nonverbal. Lawrence Wiener is a great example of that. So these are artists' books. These are books by artists, and they are works of art that present an artistic statement in a book format. Book art, on the other hand, takes the historical, metaphysical, totemic, iconographic aspect of a book, which can be any of a number of aspects of the book, from its position as a transmitter of knowledge to a historical entity that has haptic properties in the handling of it that's haptic that communicates something through the touch and feel that gives you an awareness of the history of the book and its nature as a format and a physical object through which you move in four di- multi-dimensional space. We, I used to say four dimensions. Now, uh, in the post-string theory epoch, when we're dealing with 11 dimensions or 20-something dimensions, yeah. we're, we're dealing with a different kind of 
temporal continuity that the book art object can present. I think that was a little bit... Uh, I think we might have lost some people there. Well, do you want to get them back or do you want to move on and just hold on to the people who love that? I think, yeah, I think we want to hold on to as many people as we can. You want to recapitulate a little? No, I don't. I think, uh, I think we'll go to another phalanx. Okay. Phalanx like in Greece? Yeah, kind of like in battle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess Greek battles had the phalanx, didn't they? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. I want a, def- uh, a line. I want a battle line. Okay. I want to define the field on which we're fighting. I would rather than define a field on which we're fighting with a phalanx, I'd probably just go with like, like a love triangle with a phallus. But, you know, you, we, you, there's a lot of ways we can approach this. <laughs> and speaking of phallus, it's amazing how many fine press books deal with sex. Well, it, it's a fallacy. It really That's not a fallacy. <laughs> <laughs> it is fallacy. <laughs> okay, so if we go to the the line that I'm trying to draw, which is between bibliophiles and lovers of art, then there are books that look like books that take traditional craft to produce them in a beautiful way and fine press books sort of push, uh, not the limits, but that, that's, that's about as far as you go for a traditional bibliophile to want to buy one of these things. So we're then, getting toward the market aspect of it. That's my method of, of drawing the line. Is, You're drawing the line at market. No, I'm not. I don't want to, I don't want to bring buy. the market in. I, well, used, then let's I be, did. You're so, right. So that, let's what go I buy want, that. Let's bypass that and go to then... There, there are book artists who will do all sorts of wild and wonderful and crazy and beautiful and clever things with, quote, the book. But it's more about the art than it is about the content of the book. That, wow, that's, well, that's an interesting statement because in that wild, beautiful and clever, I think we may have lost some meaning, metaphor and depth. But and please... I'm Apollonian, speaking of the Greek. I really want to get to... Apollo. Apollo. And I want to just get to... Not not Apollo. (laughs) Are you comfortable with me drawing that line then? I'm not... uh, I'm comfortable with it, but I'm not sure where it is. Uh, Yeah. Can you define it further? There's an object that takes certain traditional craft making to produce, uh, whose primary intent is to present content. If we stop there, then, then for anything beyond that is artists. No, book. within that is book art. For example, I have, for example, mm-hmm. recently the John Jay College of Criminal Justice acquired a work of mine that fits within your definition and that it utilizes traditional crafts mm-hmm. and produced a book object that is book art. The book... Uh, did it convey content? Did it yes, content? it did. Because um, the but book... But did, did, did the art get called, in the way of the content? I'll, I will describe it. No, the, the art supported the content. If, it does, if the art doesn't support the content, then it, it's not art. 
Uh, so we're, we're going to have yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, well, you see, that, that's another problem, though. The but let's, art, let, let's art, take with this one. No, but the, let me just finish this thought here, and that is that, that art, it shouldn't be um, subsumed... There shouldn't be any... Uh, um, division. Not a division, but it, art is for producing the, a, a message that the artist wants to convey. That's right. Rather than the content of a book that, it's, that the writer has produced. Yes, but, but uh, well, I don't agree with that because I think... I'll, I'll give you this example mm. in which the art supports... If the art doesn't support the content, that's the writer's art. For, for exa- in other words, let me give you an example of something that supports the writer's art. And the writer said it supported the art, by the way. So that's how I know that it supported the writer's concept. Right. I did a piece called Freedom of Choice. Have you seen that? No. Freedom of Choice came about because I was contacted by Longwood University. Freedom of Choice, Three Poems of, of Love and Death by Lucy Brock. Broido. Broido. And then your name, Richard Minsky. Yeah, you see, that's not about the book. Yes, it is. Well, no. Okay, sorry. Let me back up. There's the book. I, I, I printed book. and bound the book. This is a binding. This is a book binding. On a book that I printed. The electric chair is, a, is part yeah, of the binding. You see, the book is chained to the electric chair. The book contains three poems. Uh, here's what happened. Uh, I was yeah, asked... Yeah, but okay, but I'm not going to buy that. I'm going to just buy the book. Can I just buy the book? No. Just, yeah, well, you could have, but no, 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 because there were only five copies and they were all sold. So you can't buy the book. It's not that, you, it's not that nobody bought the book, but you're... <laughs> Way late for that. And the John Jay College of Criminal Justice bought this copy of the book. The other four are just in limp leather bindings. But this is the definitive copy. Okay, that's fine. That's that's good. And the definitive copy that the author loves is bound in this leather binding with a title on it. I printed it. Here's what happened. I got this contact from Longwood University that they were putting together an exhibition. Somewhere far from habit. Yeah, that was the name of the exhibition. And the exhibition uh, was organized originally. Liam Rector, who, was, who, who brought uh, Mary Carol Hackett to the Center for Book Arts, uh, and which said, you, which you established? Yeah, I founded it in 1974. Yeah. Um, but but this was like not that long ago. That was this decade, the last decade. Mm. But um, and uh, he brought her there and said we should do a show where we put together ten poets and ten book artists mm. and uh, put together an exhibition. And mm. she went for it, and they organized it. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile. He stuck a shotgun in his mouth and blew, and blew himself up for his wife to find the body. But, um, uh, Who's that? Liam Rector. Okay. So a lot of the poets wrote things about him, including uh, this poet. Now, what's her name? Lucy Brock Broido. Lucy Brock Broido, who runs the program, the poetry department at, uh, program at Columbia. Okay. And one in, uh, uh, I forget, in Cambridge, is at Harvard or wherever it is. Okay. And um, the, um, but 
So what happened was, you know, I don't know anything. So they sent me this PDF that had like these 10 poets stuff in it. Yeah. And I looked at it and I said, I don't know what to do with this. I think I'm going to forget about it and let everybody else choose that you know, you're supposed to choose somebody. So I just said, I'll just take whoever nobody else wants. You know, and that's how I'll, I, cause I trust the divine creator always to pr- provide what's right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, that's my faith. Um, what, faith? Just faith? Just faith. The, the, it says faith in the, the infinite wisdom of the divine creator, whatever that means. So I don't even know what it means. You're and trusting that's what, fate, then. Faith. I have I faith. Know, but you're trusting fate. Uh, well, whatever. My grandmother was a fatalist, and that's, that's how I was brought up. Okay. You know, she was someone who was brought up with, like, horses and buggies and, and rode in a jet plane. You know, you know she yeah, was born yeah, in 1888. Yeah. She went through yeah. that change. My grandmother know? did the same thing. The big thing. change, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. So, uh, so, so. so what happened here was, uh, so at the end, there was one person left over. One, one thing. So that's what I got. I got Lucy Brown. And I looked at it and I said, oh, no wonder. You know, they, uh, none so, of the artists wanted to deal no, with no, it. No, nobody could deal with it because what was there? Yeah. The first, there were three poems. Okay. There, uh, in, in her thing. One, one was about uh, viewing Liam Rector's body in the morgue. Right. Uh, one was about a boy who had uh, called her on the phone from Flanders with a shotgun in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And one was about an electrocution. So I, I, I said, oh. <laughs> and they were all like love poems. Love poems to what? These, these, these people. Oh, they were love poems. They were love to the poems. Guys they were just were love poems. They were love poems. Uh, yeah, yeah but she loved. She, you could tell that there was love. Even, even the electrocution. She even know the person, but there was love in her poetry. So I decided she loved the fact that they were about to kill themselves. No, she no. They, they were just about love. Okay. They were just about love and love of these people okay. and love. They were they were love poems to me. They were love poems. Sure. So I decided to to put them all three together. I've lived. I've lived for over 50 years with death on my left shoulder. You know, that's why I figured the divine creator gave me this. Because, like, death is not a problem for me. My, I started my first printing business when I was 13 after both my mother and father were dead. You know, to supplement my social security so I could buy a stereo. That's how I became a printer. You know, I bought a little hand press and six cases of foundry type in 1960. And I hired my homeroom class in junior high school as a 15% commission sales team so everybody would make some money on it, you know? One of my favorite people in the world is Robert Reed, Robert R. Reed. He, he is sort of acknowledged as Canada's first private press printer. It's a very similar story. This would be back in the 40s. At about the same age, his sister, with the money that his father left after he died, bought him a little printing press that he sort of printed off things while he was in school, in, you know, in high school. So it's, it's an interesting it's a age to start. parallel. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the yeah. old age of apprenticeship and all that. But anyway, yeah. so the, anyway, the point is, and for this one, yeah. that the death thing was not a problem for me, and I have a lot of love associated with death. So I took it and I... What do you mean I, you've got a lot of love associated with death? Well, uh, so many people I loved died. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of corpses of people I loved. You know, so this didn't uh, disturb it, you? It, it didn't disturb me. I, no. I, I loved it. And yeah. uh, so I, I decided to call it Three Poems of Love and Death. 
Right. So I gave it that name. That wasn't the poet's name. And I called it Freedom of Choice. She called one something like Freedom of Speech, the one about Liam Rector. Okay. And because and if you read the, read the poem, you, there's a link you can read the poem. Yeah. But the point is, I took it on and I, I decided to call it Freedom of Choice. And what I did was I made it about something that related to not just the death methods in her poems, which are shotgun and electric chair. The electric chair on the back of it has a shotgun, a hypodermic syringe, poison, pills, razor blade, a wakizashi sword, traditional in Japan for... for um, Carry, uh, carry. Well, well, whatever you want to call it. Suicide. Yeah, yeah, for that kind of suicide, ritual suicide. Yeah. Uh, it has a hangman's noose. So you could, for various kinds of options, which, you know, it takes it into a lot of different, you know, hangman's nooses, which were used by a lot of kids in the 90s. Uh, there's a glass case. You can break the glass. Yeah. You can what use... What about Nirvana? That guy, did he, did he hang himself or not? Well, let's not go there right now. Why but... not? Because this doesn't get to the book, I guess. Because it doesn't relate to this book. That's the only reason. No. Okay. But uh, I want to get through this without forgetting what I'm talking about. That's the only reason. The, anyway, so I, I created this electric chair. Okay. I built it out of oak. Yeah. You know, I built that whole electric chair. Right. And with, with the cabinet on the I mean, back. It's, it's fascinating. And it's a chain binding. binding. And it relates to historical book bindings. It's a chain binding because, you know, books were chained yeah. to the... The uh, chain libraries. The chain library, like Hereford. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so it's a chain binding where the book is chained to the chair. So you yeah. can like sit in the chair now. Well, no, it, so you can't rip it off. That's why they Well, that's it. why. Yes. Yeah. Well, again, with this. Yeah, um, that's right. If you're going to rip this off, but, but, you have to take the whole thing. But, no, but you're chained into the chair because you get strapped into the chair. You, are, you become chained because you are strapped into the chair. So you and the book are chained together. You're going to die. Additionally, in the headset, well, you have a choice. It's freedom of choice. You don't have to die. You can read the book. You can read the book. You don't have to die. You don't have to have anybody let you. I mean, you if do. you read the book, they won't kill you? In this chair, you could die, or you could read the book, or you could be shot or hung. You have your freedom of choice. Okay. You can, it's your choice. Right. Or you can listen to me read those poems in the headset, in which there's an MP3 player in the headset, and I could read the poems, which is worth me reading the poems or you dying. You well, maybe pick. if they had to, had to listen to you read the poem, then they would choose to kill themselves. It's possible. On the other hand, I don't do too badly. In college, I was in the Reader's Theater group. I studied oral interpretation. Okay. Okay. I, don't, I do, I think, a fairly credible job of communicating these poems. <laughs> You know, so, you know, someone might disagree and want to kill themselves after they hear me. I don't know. You but see, they got the choice. But the point is, getting back to your issue, yes. which, which was about... Not, I don't have an issue. Uh, well... It's not an I, issue. Okay, it's not, but your comment... Yeah. Okay. That... Maybe it, my reaction made it no, sound like I had an issue. No, well, no, I, no, no, I, no. I'm going before the reaction. Okay. Uh, what, what brought this up as an example was you're saying... Uh, that it's a traditional book or an artist's book, yeah. depending on whether it. Now here is something. I'm talking about. The this is an artist. The line. Now, 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 this is an example of book art. It embodies yeah. the history of books yeah. through being printed on handmade paper with yeah. inkjet. J. Barcham Green handmade paper. Yes, yeah, from 1974, J. Barcham Green handmade paper. 1976, I I believe I used on that one. But um, the point is, it's Barcham Green handmade paper. I printed inkjet, it takes it beautifully. 
I bound it in leather. It's a chain binding. It's chained to the electric chair, which relates to the metaphor of the text, which also has the shotgun in the back and the other elements. So yeah. it expands on it. It relates to the author's message. The okay. author loved it. Uh, so okay. it relates to all of I'm that. Convinced. And you, you understand what I'm saying I now? Am, yeah. So this is what I mean by book art. Right. And I, I, the definition you're using here is that it sort of augments and expands upon this expands case. Expands upon, it's playful, on. it's comment. It doesn't necessarily doesn't have, have to be, be but, playful, these, are all, but it, uh, these are all aspects. Illuminates. That it, illuminates. It, yeah, uh, you know. okay. It does, it does a lot of things. It supports. Supports connected to, to the, the metaphor text. of the text. Right. Okay, so I would suggest that that's going one step beyond where I was talking about, whereas using traditional arts, crafts, methodology to produce a beautiful book. You are taking that one step beyond by maintaining an, an effort to convey the message of the text to the reader, the, the viewer. Yeah. So that's good. That's moving the circumference out a little bit. But then past that, there are artists who make things that are very, very tangentially related to a book, but that, that aren't uh, connected to content. Give me an example. What's his name? Rouchet. That's something else again. That's an artist's book. It's produced like offset printing, very simple. Uh, Ed Rouchet, I love Ed Rouchet. Yeah. Here's what he did. He did a whole bunch of garages, or is that something Well, he else? did, well, he, no, he did all the, all the buildings on Sunset Strip. He did the 28 gas stations. Yeah, there we go. But, are. you see, now to me... Remember, Ed, Ed Rouchet went to art school. He's not a naive artist. No. So when you went to art school, you also got to look at Hiroshige and Hokusai, stations on the road to Edo. You know, to me, the gas stations are, if not a commentary or a takeoff or a satire or in some other way, they certainly are related to the Japanese woodcuts a century earlier. There's, so, a, connect there's a connection to the book. But it's, uh, so that's an it's a work book. of art. Though. That's an artist's book. That's, that's an artist. Right. He, Ed Rouchet's an right. artist, and that's his book. Right. It's a presentation of a sequence of images. Right. And that's what I was saying that differentiates artists' books from book art. Where, for example, in what you were just looking at with Freedom of Choice, where the... You call that book art. That's book art, because there, the material... Yale, when they did a 50-year retrospective of my work in 2010 called it Material Meets Metaphor, a half-century of book art by Richard Minsky. Right. Uh, because the material does, is not necessarily significant. It can be, but it's not necessarily significant in an artist's book. It's about the s sequence of images. Now, some artists' books also are book art. In other words, those are not mutually exclusive categories. An artist's book, it's an artist's book if it's a sequence of images that create, an art, that create an aesthetic experience. Okay. So it doesn't necessarily have to be produced using traditional no. or anything no. kind of fine or this or that. Right. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to relate to the history of the book or that. But book art takes it into account. The methodologies yeah. of book production in their physicality, in their haptic qualities, 
and their material qualities in which those aspects of it support the metaphor of the text. Now, if it's just a nicely printed book, quote, fine printing, unquote, in a traditional binding, it might be a very nice, finely printed book, but it's not necessarily either book art or an artist's book. Well, isn't it book art? Because it's it's it could be a book a well crafted book. Well crafted book. It could be a well crafted book, but yeah. one has to distinguish between art and craft, whether one wants to or not. So in other words, when I put on an exhibition of the book I, I put on book art exhibitions. You notice book art is singular there. I also put on exhibitions of book arts. Like I did I curated the exhibition Book Arts in the USA that the government sent around through Africa and Latin America in 1990 to 92, and it had the book arts in the USA, and it had fine printing and typography yeah, yeah, and artist yeah. books, and had all had offset printed books, and it had fine book binding, had 50 books that were all these different kinds of things, but each example of it also was book art, because they weren't just finely printed, there was something about them where the production of them supported the metaphor of the text and okay. the physicality of them related to that. Anyway, like that. Are we dancing on the head of a pin here? Or no. We're, 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 we're dancing in the ballroom with a um, wonderful orchestra. Okay. It's just that bibliophiles really don't care about one part of the ballroom. Well, bibliophiles... Yeah. are not homogeneous as a group. Well, there are many different bibliophile um, yeah, no, uh, no. groups I mean, among the bibliophiles. Again, there's, there's bibliophiles and there's arts. When you say bibli- you mean, you're talking about collectors. You're talking about collectors. Yeah, I'm going back to that again. Oh, that, let's go back. Okay, let's take a break. Yeah. Can, can we turn that off for a moment? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so I have drawn one line, which is, I won't repeat it because I've already done that a couple of times, about the book as an object using traditional crafts, techniques to produce an object that's beautiful, that's, but again, the primary objective is to present content. You have provided me with an interesting, wider definition of book arts whereby the artist has interpreted the content using some of the traditional techniques, but also using imagination, different materials, that all relate to the, the content, metaphorically and otherwise, to produce a, a work of art that enhances... It produces a work of art as opposed to a work of craft. Well, it's a work of art, but it, but it, it enhances and illuminates, as we've discussed before, the content of that book. Then beyond that line, there is what? Rose Slivka was the editor-in-chief of Craft Horizons magazine for 25 years. And she used to have these panels uh, that I was on with like Dale Chihuly and Pete Volkus and uh, John Kelsey. Uh, And the, the panels were on the art craft connection. You know, is it art or is it craft? So after a couple of decades of this, I said to Rose, Rose, do you ever come to any conclusion from that? And she said, if it's good, it's art. If it's not, who cares? 
Okay. Is that your way of ending this conversation? Yeah, okay. It's, it's, I like it. <laughs> okay, great. As I say, I, I, I try to put some, you know, clothes on this clothes horse here. Underwear and then uh, outerwear and... Yeah, the Empress clothes. Yeah. So we've got these, we've got these levels and what does it mean... Maybe it was an interesting conversation. Maybe it wasn't. We'll let the listener determine that. So thanks very much for your time, Richard Minsky. My pleasure.